Welcome to the Quantum Leap Your Business in Life podcast. My name is Bethany London, and I am an energetic VC supporting CEOs and entrepreneurs in multiplying revenues and opportunities of their business through intuitive guidance and energetic healing. I am obsessed with finding and releasing blocks so that you can start receiving the guidance and opportunities that will be bringing you quantum leaps with ease. If you are looking to upgrade your business, life, spirituality, or need a perspective shift to flow, you've come to the right place. Leave it to me to pull out the juicy stories, quantum leap hacks, and how our inspiring guests have tackled obstacles and gotten into the flow to reach new heights of success. My intention is to bring clarity and massive awareness that infinite possibilities are everywhere. Your next moment could be a miraculous one. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Let's uncover their strategies, have fun, and see how we can quantum leap together. All right, today we have, uh, I'm like one of my favorite people, (laughs) one of my also clients and podcast host, I'm going to call him the King Maker. The King Maker. Derek Loudermilk. I'm so excited to have him on here because if anyone takes leaps and quantum leaps in their life, it is this guy. He is fearless from my outside perspective. And he can share more with us here soon. But he, he I want to hear about you having a regular job at some point <laughs> in your life. <laughs> I think I was, I think I was fired from all of the jobs that I actually had. So it's like proper, (laughs) proper entrepreneur backstory there. Uh, No, Mm -hmm. I, I was, I was, um, I was working as a laboratory technician in a microbiology lab and I became the manager of the lab. And the, the very worst thing about it was that my job was the thing that I dislike the most which is like keeping track of large amounts of uh, paperwork, essentially. Oh, yeah. And so, but then from time to time, I would accidentally sell like $50,000 worth of, uh, you know, services to a client. And they never figured out, and I never figured out that I should have a different job, which was probably (laughs) like customer development, business development. Yeah. Um, So when that was when the recession came uh, the gfc 2008 so that was laid off and um that was pretty much the the writing was on the wall i was like okay this is uh already not worth it so entrepreneur was in my cards from then wait so did you have a thought of what you wanted to do right then and there when you were laid off like it was already brewing i went back to grad school because everybody else was going back to grad school um, but that was a chance for me to start practicing some of the, so that was about the time I read four hour work week, like the, mm. right when it came out yep. and, uh, because everyone was going back to grad school, there was so much competition. It was really hard to get into grad school. The school that I got into Montana state, uh, there were only two spots for the microbiology extremophile program. And so what I just, I figured there's no way I can compete with all these, you know, Harvard grads that have amazing resumes. So what I did was 
I just went up there and schmoozed with all the professors. I had uh, set up personal meetings with every single professor in the department. And wow. so by the time that I left, they all basically had put in a good word for me. And I was the first one to be offered uh, acceptance to the program, basically just from like talking my way into it. Wait, okay, I need to hear more. <laughs> like, what were you schmoozing them? Like, what was that process? I need to hear okay, about so, your business so development. It was, it was strategic in yeah. a way because I had I had arranged ahead of time to meet with them, right? And so I had read their research. I knew exactly what their in, in science, when you're a grad student, you join a research team, essentially. Okay. So you have to uh, basically know where you fit into the whole big picture. It's kind of like a business because they're, they're, you know, they've got these different pathways of investigation and you have to say like, I can help you with this, um, this major grant that you're working on. So it's kind of like getting hired for a job, but a little different. Yeah. So I had set those up ahead of time and also sort of checking to make sure, you know, who had available money because in science, you have to see who has yeah, grant the funds. Funding. Yeah, that makes sense. They won't take you on as a grad student unless there's a laboratory that has funding that will put you yeah. in that lab. So it was, it was, it was more complex than that, but basically I talked my way into it. You did. Uh, well, and, and for everyone, I don't know if I mentioned he's a top podcaster, <laughs> so I can see how that serves you well here. He's got, I don't know if you guys know, Jason Shurka He's one of my friend's favorites uh, that he's interviewed Joe Vitale next week, all inspired because of a book recommendation <laughs> that Thanks, I gave Bethany. him. Yes. Yep. <laughs> So excited to hear that podcast. Wow. Um, well, what what are you doing now outside of the podcasting? Yeah, so today I'm actually really excited. Um, last night I was lying in bed, not, not sleeping, and had a brainstorm, which is to run a retreat. Uh, and, and I'm sharing this so you can get an understanding of, of how yeah. I work. But um, so I just kind of like threw, threw this up to my social media on Facebook today, just to see what the response is, the little market research, mm -hmm. uh, the retreat would be combination adventure, ayahuasca and telepathy skill development. So it'd be mm -hmm. a really interesting blend of these things. And, uh, I spent the last couple of years doing a lot of scientific research in telepathy and remote viewing. And we just completed our first uh, training course um, in 2022. So I feel confident now that I can deliver, you know, results for people to essentially like anybody can do it, which is amazing. The science basically proves it. Yeah. Um, but this would be something that combines different areas of my passion, of my expertise. Um, you know, I've been working with plant medicines for eight years now. Uh, I've been leading adventure trips for 20 years and now telepathy. So this is just an example of um, something that, that may come to fruition. And, and so far in the few hours that it's been, you know, a post, there's, you know, a dozen people that, that seem interested. So that's, wow. uh, that's exciting. 
That is exciting. I love it. And I love also for me, it's like when I have that insight and you just act on it without question, and then you get the acknowledgement. I think that's so powerful. Um, okay. So we also, speaking of his adventures, I want to, I want to, we're going to keep working our way backwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can connect the dots. We'll keep back. So when I first met Derek, actually through the school of greatness run by Lewis house, he was just taking off from the U S to go hip hop around the world. And yeah. What's that called? Yeah. I was a digital nomad. That one digital nomad. He was digital nomading. Is that perfect? Like seven year life cycle of digital nomading, you know, seven years in Tibet kind of thing. Yep. So we lived in, uh, 15 different countries over the, over that time, you know, coming back to the States from time to time. So Bali was our sort of our base, our favorite place. We were, we lived there Mm -hmm. for three years. Uh, but we also lived in Europe and Croatia, Hungary, Portugal, uh, Mexico. We lived, yeah. I can't even remember them all right now, but. (laughs) So good. Well, I mean, and you were working, you were doing your thing. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, so so to to start off, when the whole journey started, I went to Vietnam, which is a very low cost of living. Mm-hmm. And I was a cycling coach at the time. That was essentially my first remote business because I was a, a pro cyclist and I was basically training and teaching young athletes that wanted to become pros how to how to do it. Um and so that mm-hmm. I only needed four clients at $250 a month. So $1,000 a month uh, covered all of my expenses, which what that does is it essentially gives you like an infinite runway. So I was teaching myself business uh, for a couple of years, trying different things. Um, that's when I started the podcast, you know, and um, it's it's great to have to have that long, long runway to, to give yourself plenty of room to make mistakes at the beginning. Yeah, totally. And well, in any, any time, <laughs> it's always good to have a little safety net basket. Um, yeah. And you've been doing your podcast for how long now? Seven years? Nine years. Almost Nine? 400, 400 episodes. Yeah. 400 episodes. Oh, wow. So good. So good. Well, I know you have a phenomenal podcast. I've been on it twice. I have referred it to many friends to listen to. They all love it. They start listening to all of them. All right. Uh, yeah. You went from like, what, how did it start? It was the adventures of. Yeah. It was called the art of adventure. The art of adventure. And that, so it was really focused okay. on the digital nomad lifestyle on okay. pro athletes um, or people, you know, in the travel or online space. But then on my travels, as a lot of adventurers have this experience where they they start meeting, you know, various gurus or saints, or they go to a holy temple and something crazy magical happens. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, uh, what was that? And there's, a, you know, they have an awakening. So I had a lot of these pretty dramatic, mystical experiences. And so I got really curious, you know, about It was in that first year of my trip, really, because that's when I went to Angkor Wat, which is, um, you've been there? Yeah. So it's, it's associated with the sun, 
uh, it's a temple that's aligned. Uh, it's a you know solar focused cultural religious temple, and that's when I first tried meditation. And basically, the sun was like breathing into me on my first try in meditation. And everyone else was like, "Oh, meditation is terrible. There's like mosquitoes and sweaty <laughs> in the tropics, and there's like dogs barking next door." And I was like. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It's just like the most magical, you just turn turn yourself into the sun and you, know, you can like mm-hmm. do whatever you want. And they were like, um, that's not what that's not what we experienced. Wow. So I had this a bunch of these crazy experiences. So then I started, we're talking about the podcast. So that so I started investigating because I'm a scientist, because I like to do research. So I started bringing that more into the show. And now we're at the top of charts in in some countries for for spiritual podcasts amazing well and and just to breathe life into the sun meditation i see god as source and light and as the sun basically if you were like within the sun so that's pretty cool Ah. yeah um okay I really, so because I got to coach Derek, I kind of got to learn some other stuff about him. <laughs> I think this is safe to dive into your childhood. The way your dad, your dad raised you was to me, very inspiring. Um, it, it like, what were you talking about? Like building a tree house or something in the backyard and that's the word. Yeah. I would say my, my parents, whether they consciously did it or not, they were, um, one of the hardest things as parents, because I have two kids now, is yeah. when your kids say, I want to do something crazy. And your first instinct is to be like, no, that's ridiculous. Like, it's going to make a huge mess, or it'll be a huge waste of time or whatever. And my parents were just like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, here's a bunch of, you know, boards and nails or or one time I saw someone speed skating on an ice rink. And I was like, I want to do that. That looks fast. And they signed me up for a speed skating club, you know, and I, and I almost went to, you know, I was on the national team. I almost went to the Olympics. Oh my gosh. And so, so it was like, or one year I got really into math. And so they were like, okay, well, we'll like put you in college math classes. And um, so by the time I was done with middle school, I was, I was like halfway through a, a math degree and a university math degree. So it was like, whatever they they saw that I wanted to do, they were just like, yeah, we'll help you. So beautiful. I mean, and so rare because it's like, you want to paint? No, (laughs) I don't want to pick up after your mess today. (laughs) Like, I feel like that is more the standard response than like, is that kind of like the um, Montessori schooling too? It's like, you just kind of lean into wherever they want. I don't know. I don't have children yet. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. Um, you know, it helped. I went to a school which is based on the Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences, which is that there are different learning styles. We all have a blend of kinesthetic, linguistic, mathematical, social, musical. And um, so there's some that are more dominant in kids than others. One for me was that I was uh, kinesthetic. So I, I move a lot when I learn. That's so I, so when I want ideas, I go out for a bike ride. So for business, I'm always like doing movement related things to get ideas or have 
business meetings yeah. or right right now I'm standing up so I can move my whole body. Yeah, um, he he is, he is moving. If you're not watching the video version, <laughs> you're totally but, but so, moving around. Um, the having a school like that 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 sort of facilitates um, a kid getting what they need was also great for me. I had a teacher that let me wander around the classroom while she was teaching. I mean, who does that, right? Wow. Um, so great teachers, parents also very supportive. So I was quite lucky in, in a lot of sense. So lucky. That's amazing. And so now how is this supporting you? I noticed that a lot of entrepreneurs, people trying to do things, maybe people leaving their corporate job for the first time and, you know, starting, you know, maybe they want to be a healer. They've learned Reiki or something, or um, they're starting, they want to do an online course and teach, you know, dog uh, training or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, there's a lot of unconscious like permissions that they don't have. And they're like, because nobody's enabled, enabled them their whole life. And my whole life, uh, everyone's just, yes, yes. And in me, they're like, you have a great idea. Yeah. I'll help you do that. And so I just expect that I will succeed every time I start something. And a lot of people, I think probably 90% of people expect to fail when they yeah. start something. Yeah, no, that's so true. And, and I, I mean, I was just telling you how I, doing this relationship course right now that I'm facilitating with my friend. And it's like so many of our decisions are, are made from needing, like looking backwards, like needing permission from the parental figures. And so you, but it's like, it's like, we need like, oh, if I'm going to go date this guy or go do this, it's like, it, will it be accepted by my parents? But you have it as like the positive where they're going to support everything and everything. Which is well, so and so, so I had that foundation, which mm -hmm. is already a great start, but then I set about training myself to intentionally go as far as I could. So I would ask for ridiculous things. I would ask for things I would never expect somebody to say yes to, like um, even just random things. Like I was on, on the Mekong River on a, one of these like tourist boats and I went up and I asked if I could drive the boat and they were like, yeah, sure. Of course. Nobody ever asks. Um, or one time I wanted to raise money for my birthday for a charity, a local charity in Bali. And I knew a guy that threw these like huge house parties of like 350 people. So I asked him, I said, can you throw one of these house parties for me for my birthday and give half of your profits to charity? And he was like, yeah, sounds like a great idea. And so it was the biggest birthday party I've ever had. And he probably had made more money because people were willing to come and like, you know, yeah. sometimes people pay more just for charity, you know, so it kind of worked out for everyone in that sense. But when you expect somebody to say no, uh, if you don't ask, then you're really shutting down that possibility. So it's, it's one of these things like you, you have to train yourself to ask, even if you don't think it's even reasonable that, that somebody would say yes. Yeah. And I, I heard, I was reading something, you know, everyone's putting out their new year's thoughts and someone was saying to do an unreasonable request every day. 
unreasonable requests and that you neutralize the nose. Like when you get the nose, it's, you know, you you're building up your immunity to it so that it really doesn't care. You don't care at all. Yeah. Basically giving a yes or a no, the same value, because that's mm -hmm. the, you know, when you ask something, then it becomes up to the person, you know, it's their free will that's answering you yes or no, but it's your free will to ask. Yeah. And respond. <laughs> However you respond. Yeah. yeah. To their response. Oh my goodness. So good. Okay. So, um, Taking this, I mean, first off, I one awareness I had is that we were calling it the Art of Adventure. Your show is now called the Derek Loudermilk Show, right? Yeah, it's just my name. Okay, so it's it's his name now. Whatever I want to talk about. <laughs> so yeah, full control. And lately, it's been around uh, eighty. You said you've gotten to 87, 87 me metaphysical experiments. What would you call it? Yeah, yeah. So this is the quest, you know. Um, quest. As a, as an adventurer, I sometimes operate in a quest framework, which is a very. Um, when you think about the hero's journey, it's actually it's actually like I think a fundamental part of how the universe operates uh, and how souls experience evolution is through the hero's journey quest style progression. So I think human stories actually have a, a geometric representation in the fundamental architecture of the universe. Um, and so when you tap into that, um, because, because a big part of the, of the universe existing is to experience itself, right? So if you are experiencing things, then you're helping. Um, so going on a quest uh, is a great framework for experiencing things. And this quest in particular is 100 different metaphysical, esoteric healing modalities. So I know, you know, you do theta healing. That's one of the ones on there. So a bunch of healing modalities I learned, like I became a Reiki master. I learned how to do, you know, the Bankston method and the Vogel method and, you know, all these different ones. Or I've, you know, worked with shamans or done ayahuasca. And Plants. Breath work. And, you know, just yeah. like the whole... As, as cuckoo as you can get, as far as you can get out there, uh, I've tried it, basically. And you're learning from all these experiences, and then you've created, I know you have the mastermind, but you have other, I mean, you, like you said, your new retreat in the works, um, you're working on developing land in a community, but I feel like you're bringing all of these quests that you're learning into that to really at the core of it, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't want to speak for you, but I do, but I won't. <laughs> well, you know, because I train entrepreneurs, I'm always looking at which of these metaphysical techniques are useful for somebody that's running an organization or somebody that's, you know, got a movement that they want to start. Some of them are irrelevant, uh, right? But some of them uh, really help, especially like take... Um, you know, working with your dreams or remote viewing uh, is, is, so basically, if you haven't heard of remote viewing, it's a scientific process developed by the um, intelligence community, the, the Department of Defense Intelligence in the 70s, 60s and 70s. 
but essentially it allows you to look either to a remote location or a remote time. That is, you can look into the past or the future. And if you're a business and you want to forecast your marketing plans or where you're going to find customers or what the best new product is going to be, you might as well look into the future and find it out. So there's some really fantastic uh, applications with these types of metaphysical practices. Totally. Yeah. Well, and I know this also, I don't know that I practice it in that format, but I also, you know, work, work with the people and I'm like, okay, this is, I see, this is a clear path. This one, you got a lot of clearing to do. I don't know how it shows up for you. Similar or different? Well, yeah. If you talk about clairvoyance or psychics or telepathy or remote viewing, it's all the same thing. You're Mm -hmm. connecting to uh, basically you're entangled quantumly with uh, all future timeline possibilities, but how you personally, Bethany, get that information or I get it kind of depends on how I practice or, you know, whether it comes as visuals or someone talking to me or, um, you know, just a knowing that something is better than the other. And that's where the training comes in is learning how the information comes through your, your particular, you know, awareness. Yeah. So it is, it is different for everyone basically, but similar. Similar the but responses. Different. The cool thing is though that everybody uh, everybody has this. You know, yeah. we've uh, we've trained my my collaborators trained almost five hundred people with a hundred percent success rate um, in in telepathy. So it's uh, it's available to everybody. So cool, so cool. All right, and rain. I, I said he not rain rainmaker. You you're the rainmaker too. The kingmaker. Make you the rainmaker as well. <laughs> Because you work with people and then immediately or soon after, they're just amazing and massive. They already were amazing, but massive exposure, et cetera. Yeah, I have, I have a, a great privilege of particularly people, people come to me and they, they're, they're in like, they're the only one in their field, right? They're like, they're an inventor and they've invented this new technology like a guy I'm working with now has this new healing technology that's, he basically learned how to do it from reading Tesla's science. And so wow. he, he can cure HIV and other things with this technology, um, but he doesn't have any scientific peers and he he's like been doing it all on his own. So, you know, I, I work with him on how to, you know, how to reach people, how to market, how to find the right collaborators and distribution channels and all the various aspects of a business or, or even the product creation. And, and, um, you know, so eventually these people become the, the Elon Musk's of the world because they're, they're on their unique trajectory. Right. Um, and these people just show up in my life all the time. Wait, did you interview this guy on your podcast? I feel like you did. I did. He's been on recently. Yeah. Tom Palladino is his name. I think I heard it. And what's also fascinating is when we were doing healing with Derek, we also were picking up that this is when we, when I say the Kingmaker, it's also because this is what showed up in his past lives where he would be the, the council of the King and supporting them. Yeah. So you picked up, there's a past life that was in England 
that where I was like the strategic advisor. Mm -hmm. I had, um, I think later I had this woman come on who does like a galactic history. So she'll tell you like what other ET races you've been as a soul and what like, you know, for the last, let's say 30 million years, what your soul has been up to. And I've been a strategic advisor in lifetime after lifetime um, in like, you know, basically the Star Wars, what we mm-hmm. know is this, the movie Star Wars is actually the Orion Wars. I was the the strategic advisor um, <laughs> for, for those wars, you know, so it's like, it wow. all kind of adds up when yeah. you start to realize this. So you definitely know your genius lane, which is beautiful. Oh my goodness. Okay. Very cool. Well, I would love to close out today with knowing what are your three key takeaways for quantum leaping that you would share with other people? So this is, this is something I was playing around with last year, which is, which is truly fantastic, which is you can leap entirely to a a new timeline. So there's a, you know, collectively we're all in the same main time stream, but your personal experience of the time stream, uh, is is all about free will, but you can you can make a, a major hop to a, like a distant timeline where you have a completely different experience of life, and the the only tricky part is not slipping back to the same timeline you were on before because there's some inertia there. There's like a gravity to the timeline you're on. So if you want to make a really huge dramatic change in your life, you can do it instantly, and I've done this multiple times. Um, and you just, you just have to fully inhabit the new timeline and like, don't look back. It's like you leave all stories and identities of the past timeline behind and you're a brand new version of yourself in a new timeline. It's like a different reality, essentially. Um, it's only, we call it timeline because it's measured, you know, in linear progression, but it's essentially like a parallel universe. Um, so you have to be willing to completely... You got to be willing to completely let go of Mm -hmm. story and identity and anything you're holding on to. You just let it go. Brand new, brand new universe. Okay. So first one, timeline hopping. Yeah. uh, I should say timeline committing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you say? Three, three things for leaping. Quantum leaping in business and life. Yeah. Um, well, we already talked, we already talked about this, but, um, you have to, you have to understand and believe whatever you want is actually possible for you. Um, I think it's hard for some people to visualize the possibility if, if they don't believe. So I'm not sure if it's like visualizing the possibility before the belief, they kind of go hand in hand, they seem, but sometimes People have to heal different things before they believe that it's possible. Or sometimes they need to get better at putting together the visualization. Sometimes they need to have better models. They need to see what's possible and then use their imagination to really paint a clear picture of like, oh, here's where I'm going. Because maybe somebody just doesn't have any any clear direction to point their, mm-hmm. their desire, right? Yeah. 
For sure. A lot of people don't even know their whys. If that makes sense. Number three. I don't know. Enthusiasm. <laughs> this is this is like your your nitro boost. So if you and this is this is so cool because in the science about remote viewing, they found that it's much easier to see things in the future or to see distant events or things like that if they're exciting or emotionally charged. And so when you can connect with an emotional charge, when you can connect with enthusiasm about something, it's going to make everything you try work better. Okay. If, yeah. And if you're not enthusiastic, like don't even, don't even bother probably. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm always like, I love Richard Branson. His whole thing is like, follow the joy, follow what feels good and what, you know, don't let the naysayers or anything else get in the way. Just follow what feels good. So, or what makes you feel enthusiastic for Derek? <laughs> yes. um, okay. I have a follow-up question to all that. How, like, what is your, I mean, I don't know if it's a morning practice. Do you have like a practice for getting into this space of meditation or visualization? I mean, you talked about biking. Is this a daily thing? I have too many too many daily practices to fit into a day, which is the problem. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so committed to the daily practice. Yeah. So I, I do, you know, like six to nine practices a day, depending on what I'm needing, but there's usually like gratitude journaling and breathing and sort of early morning sun salutations. Maybe there's, um, you know, building the, the physical, energy and the emotional energy that drives the enthusiasm uh, is a big part of it. And then sort of visualization and imagination and reflecting. And you know, a big part of creativity is like having the space for the insight to land. So sometimes there's just cycling or walking, like really clearing out the space, silence, meditation, Vipassana, whatever you want. So yeah. whatever is needed in what I'm trying to do. If I'm in a creative phase, then I need more room for that, for the insight. If I'm in a productive phase, then I need to power up my ability to do deep work, right? I need long, focused, highly productive output. So it depends on the phase. If I'm in a reflective phase, which is this time of year, often is a reflective phase, then there's a lot of um, analysis, a lot of um, yeah, trying to understand what to cut and what to add more of and things like that. Makes sense. Makes sense. So um, I know a lot of people are listening and jealous that they don't have time to practice nine <laughs> things a day. I'm like, what? <laughs> ah, that is the life of Derek. But mostly I'm not doing very much. Okay. Right. I'm not, the things that I see uh unmarried people without kids doing like going on ski trip weekends mm. and um going out for new years and you know just various things that are enjoyable yeah. about life like i right. just don't get around to them as much yeah gonna get you that mountain house i know <laughs> bring everyone there Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This has been so enjoyable and I'm enthusiastic about our interview.
good. <laughs> it's so it's so unique. I mean, I'm all about the quantum leaping in business and life, but I don't feel that I talk about like the energy stuff as much as I maybe would love to. So it's cool to have somebody that totally gets it here. Well, you know, it's it's easy to learn business mechanics. Yeah. Right? Business is super simple. You just like how to find customers and give them what they want. You know, it's like, that's basically it. Uh, but there's so many details about how to be good at that in, in both the like 3D world, but also the expanded metaphysical world. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the foundational, yeah. Energy is everything. So. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me. Good to see you as always. Yes. Thank you. So excited and excited to hear any feedback and stories from the guests when they hear this fabulous podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to subscribe and let me know by leaving a review on iTunes. It fuels me to keep bringing you more guests. And if you aren't already following me on social media, check out at Bethany London and visit BethanyLondon.com for online programs and free healing opportunities or our corporate healing platform, LondonHeights.co. Don't hesitate to tag me and our guests with your favorite quotes for a reshare. I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, wishing you that quantum leap. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.